<clears throat> so, um, y'all ever read uh, Little House in the Big Woods? Good. Because if you haven't, you're welcome to leave now and start reading if you need to. <laughs> so, you know, when you, when you deal with Sabbath stuff, um, a lot of people have a lot of approaches to these kinds of things. There's this great little story in, uh, in The Little House in the Big Woods. And, uh, you know, winters were long, and, uh, and they had, um, it was just, it was really rough, uh, especially on Sundays. Laura says the time went slowly. Every Sunday, Mary and Laura were just dressed from the skin out in their best clothes with fresh ribbons in their hair. They were very clean because of Saturday night. And during the rest of the year, they just go down to the spring or whatever, but during the winter, they had to go get clean snow, and then they had to boil water and get it, um, or heat up the water so they could take baths, so that all of them could take baths all for Sunday. Now, they weren't allowed to run or shout on Sundays. Mary could not sew on her nine-patch quilt, and Laura could not knit on the tiny mittens she was making for baby Carrie. They could play with their paper dolls, but they weren't allowed to make any other things for those paper dolls, any other clothes or anything like that. They must be quiet and listen while Ma read Bible verses, Bible stories, or stories about lions and tigers and white bears from Pa's big green book, The Wonders of the Animal World. They might look at pictures and they could hold their rag dolls and talk to them, but there's nothing else they could do. Sundays were long. Laura liked best the books with the pictures in them, with the Bible or the, with its paper covers or all the animals, but she really loved the story with the pictures of Adam naming the animals. Adam was sitting on a rock and the animals were coming up to him eagerly, eagerly and, 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 and hopefully about what their name would be. She said, Adam looked so comfortable. He did not have to be careful to keep his clothes clean because he had no clothes on. <laughs> she asked Ma, did Adam have good clothes to wear on Sundays? And Ma says, no. Poor Adam. All he had to wear was skins. Laura did not pity Adam. She wished she had nothing to wear but skins. One Sunday after supper, they got to running around. She began to play with Jack, and in a few minutes, it was yelling and screaming and running around, and Pa told her to sit down in the chair and be quiet. And Laura sat down and began to cry and kicked the bottom of her chair, saying, I hate Sunday. So that might be an odd way to start a sermon on the Sabbath. <clears throat> but the reason I bring this up is... This thing we're called to in Sabbath rest is not, for something, is not something for us to hate, but to love, to enjoy. I mean, you get to hang out with me. But no, it's because God made this day special, and especially for us, so that we could enjoy the world he made, the people around us, and most of all, Him. It is what Sabbath is. It just means to stop, to rest and delight. And in light of Jesus, to stop and delight in the love that Jesus has for us. So we turn to our passage today. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. On the seventh day, God finished His work 
that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. I want to start here, though. This word has been given to you in love. The Holy Spirit loves us and wants us, wants to transform us by this merciful gift of Sabbath. The Father delights in us more than we can think or imagine. The Son promises to be with us, to forgive our sins and self-reliance and our self-sustenance by His grace. The triune God invites us into His Sabbath, Sabbath rest, and that's what we're called to in this place. And yes, it is about creation in a really important way. He finished it all, and then he rested. And here's what you've got to be thinking. Kangaroos, right? My only eighth grade biology word I know, endoplasmic reticuli, opposable thumbs, hair follicles, blobfish, magma, and sonic, electromagnetic, seismic, and ocean waves. He made it all. And then he did something else. He made a man and a woman, as we learned last week, an ish and isha, human beings. And he called those two very good. Two thumbs up when I teach the kids. Somehow that couple would take on the most important of all roles in creation to reflect God's way in the world. And stamped in each of them, they were called to reflect who he is and how the world should work with us in it, active. And then, after all that, what did the, 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 the most powerful reality in the world do? He rested. That's got to be one of the most wild things ever, right? I mean, it is on, it's still on the front page of the newspaper. It's the second chapter and the second verse that God rested. He is, with, with, by definition, without limits fatigue, or exhaustion. He is by revelation one who neither slumbers nor sleeps. Neither of those slumbering or sleeping. I always wondered what that meant. But here it is. He's rested. The only being in the world that did not need to rest, rested, not out of necessity, but to punctuate the beauty of what he had done. And that punctuation is an exclamation mark. This is what I've done. And so then we, as bearers, imitators of God, we rest. We bless this day, make it holy. We set it apart, and we remember to keep it holy. The fact that, that creation is, the Sabbath is creational before the fall is really important for us to grasp in our hearts and heads, and our understanding and our practice. Rest is not a product of sin. We don't get tired because there's something wrong with us. You did not hear me say there's nothing wrong with us. There's all sorts of things wrong with us. But we don't get tired because things are wrong with us. We were literally made this way. Have you ever thought about how ridiculous it is that we sleep about a third of our life? Babies get a better shot at that. They get a lot more. One third of the hours in your time in this earth is asleep, is resting. We get hungry two, three times a day, sometimes four or five. <clears throat> Farms work best when we get a break every seven years. Humans flourish best with a break every seven days. 
It's just the way he made things. And we are called to lean into this as a gift. Even amidst a world, in a world of modern life that tries to have us so restless. We're just more human with the rhythms of rest. It's in the very DNA of who you are and the very structure of the cosmos. And we deny it to our detriment. And you go on in, in, in our um, confession today, we realize it's actually a command. It's actually one of the top ten. It's actually in the top five. It's number four. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Six days you will labor, but you're not letting anything else labor in your sphere. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and he rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Think about it. God has ten shots and figuring out how he's going to have the world operate, how, how it's going to best flourish for him. And number four is rest. Number four is rest. It's in the list with worship and murder and adultery and theft. That's a big deal. It's kind of funny, which I mean not funny at all, that we kind of don't take this one very seriously. As if there's some other massive take that we should have on it. There is a massive take we should have on it, but in fulfillment. Entire economic, social, and political system of Israel revolved around one in seven rhythms. Not just the one in seven for the Sabbath rest, but also while they're in the desert, one in seven for 40 years as a Sabbath rest. Every seven years, land would be fallow. Every 49 years, at seven times seven years, the entire economy would be overturned, debts canceled, Land returned to the original families. And no one would work that year. Now, I know there's nuance on how to apply this into the New Testament. I know the arguments. I know that Jesus had an adversarial relationship with the kind of legalistic forms that the Sabbath had when he was alive and the religious people around him. I know these theological arguments. And I know, and I will talk about the fact that in Christ we enter our Sabbath rest, that he is the fulfillment. I get this. But he's a fulfillment of all the other nine commandments too. And we're not going around going, well, maybe not, well, murder, you know. You know, Jesus is our fulfillment of not murdering, so have at it. No. Now the church immediately moved, because of who Jesus is and what he said, immediately moved the Sabbath from the last day of the week, the seventh day, to the first day of the week. And there's some rich theological and biblical reasons for, for it, which I can't go into completely now, but not the least of which was that we were coming with the first fruits of our week. Also, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead on that first day. We start our weeks resting in the grace and the power that God has given us in Christ Jesus, and we launch our weeks by rest in the unmerited favor of God. Those are just a few. But the point of this is not to like get your rules right, though we should have rules in our life, but that we would embrace it to enjoy it. The fundamental purpose of the Sabbath is to delight, to delight in God and His creation. That's the game. God rested in the delight after His creation. He exhaled with joy and satisfaction. And us, in bearing His image, do the same thing. God wasn't tired. He wasn't saving energy. He rested because he was enjoying it. 
He had a big grin on his face. And he was kicked back on the lawn chair with some sweet iced tea. It's not in the Bible. Just so you get it. And he's inviting us to, to sit with him in that and to swip, sip some tea with him. Pastor John Piper says, God is saying, let my highest creature, the one in my image, stop every seven days and commemorate with me. That's good. How much more would we have awe and wonder for the world? And it's a great season for it, y'all. There is a red tree outside in my neighbor's house that I can't stop staring at when I'm saying that I'm not too busy. It's beautiful. It's not just a command, it's a delight. God built us in the world for this very thing. It's a gift, y'all, and one we leave unopened too much. There are at least two reasons how we don't open it. One is the legalistic version, and the other is the neglect version. Legalism is this, this is why I told you the story about, um, little, about Laura. Did you know if you swing a yo-yo in Studley, Virginia, just, just north of Richmond, no allusion to anything saying north of Richmond, um, swing a yo-yo in a church or anywhere in public on the Sabbath, it is illegal. You done missed the point. It's a yo-yo. But it exists to this day. When I was getting ordained, Steve Engel can, um, can verify this because he was in the room. I was asked on my view of Sabbath. Well, to be honest, I was just told a view of Sabbath and asked to respond. I was told that if I turned my TV on on Sunday, that it was akin to me having an affair. Because you see the logic of the breaking of the commandments. You see that? You, I mean, the logic, not the legitimacy. Um, internal logic. I wasn't sure how to respond. You know, I'm like 20-something years old trying to get ordained. I, pol- I politely assured him that I do believe in taking one and seven off. I don't check my emails, all that kind of stuff. But I did not share my, that view with him, and neither did my wife. I thought that was funny. The first, the first service thought it was funny, too, just in case I'm, I'm sticking with funny. <clears throat> Caitlin's going to send you a one-pager of one church's uh, questions they kind of asked, have asked their people to walk through. And I tell you this, it's for your suggestion, for your delight. If you start running these lists that are become oppressive and steal the delight, I don't want you to read it. I want you to read it as a gift. But we want to be more than just not legalist. We're trying to figure out how to live in, 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 with rest in a restless world. Legalism is not the answer because it actually steals the delight. But there is this thing also that's not legalism that's called neglect or not remembering the Sabbath. Some of us just want to avoid it altogether, and not because we're stalwarts of anti-legalism, because we don't want to be bothered by it. Because this kind of neglect of the Sabbath, we don't want to be troubled in our schedules, but I would dare say we also don't want to be troubled with what kind of delight can occur, because delight with the Lord is very disruptive in all the right ways. And so instead, like Adam and Eve, we run from God in our sin and shame. And we keep our calendars nice and busy. We don't want the intimacy with God or even His creation. We'd rather just keep moving, just keep grinding. Resting takes courage and trust that you're not in control of the world. And that maybe, maybe God just wants to be with you, even if you barely want to be with you especially when we're so desperately trying to manage our lives. So we avoid it all. Stay busy, stay focused, do the next thing, escape into the restless world. Either way, 
there's something that is a gift for us to grow in. I don't want to be blinded and numbed to miss the delight within this restless world. I have no desire, not one inkling in me wants to create the list for you. Not at all. But I do have every desire that we as a body could be of the most restful people in our worlds. Working really hard those six and resting really well on that seven. But salvation, in our standards, the catechism, it says, Sabbath is a, is, a, is a thankful remembrance of the two great benefits, not just creation, but redemption. It's about salvation, too. And I haven't been talking about the redemption side. If you're going back into the, the first part of the text that I was reading you in Genesis, the structure of that seventh day, grammatically and, and uh, linguistically, is very different than the other six days. I don't know a single theologian who holds that the seventh day is like the previous six. Even those who hold the six 24-hour creation days do not think that the seventh day is a 24-hour day. There's something structurally within what's going on there. And so the, seventh, the Sabbath day is different. A day of God's rest is, is real, but it's, it's got a different kind of time horizon, which is what the New Testament pick, picks up on afterward. Hebrews talks about salvation is entering into God's Sabbath rest. Sabbath doesn't just point to God resting or even our resting, but the utter satisfaction that we have in God and God has in us, not just one in seven, but for eternity. Jesus is the one who says, come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I know you're tired and beat down. Come to me, and not just for seven or 49 years, but for an ever and ever and ever. Amen. It's to look and wonder and be filled with joy about creation and our salvation that is brought by our Lord Jesus, who is called Lord of the Sabbath. And how does he enter into that as creator and redeemer? There is one, one 24-hour day that Jesus spent in the tomb, and it was on the Sabbath. And if we let our imaginations run a little bit, he rested that day from his labors. And in that day, he took on all the sin of the world so that on that next day, he would rise again. We will fail. We will falter. We will fall into neglect or legalism. But the, the Sabbath was made for us to know that Jesus is our Savior, that he took on all of our sin and brokenness and all of our restlessness, and he invites us into rest with him.